This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Kia this is Editing Hugh from the Future here. Just a quick note about today's edition of the catch-up. There were a couple of audio glitches in the recording, and as a result, a couple of segments went missing and could not be recovered. I've done my best in the editing to make it as smooth as possible, but if you hear a point where the conversation seems like it changes direction at an odd moment or something like that, that's why that happened. And now, on with the show. Morena no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch-up on Manawatu People's Radio. Te reo irarangi o tangata o Manawatu. Uh, regular listeners to the catch-up will know we have a, a semi-regular schedule of uh, institutions that we get around. And today we look at Massey University, that institution on the hill, and finding out all the wonderful uh, things that are going on up there. And certainly a variety of things. You just need to go through the back catalogue of the catch-up. Uh, every fortnight we speak to someone from Massey and... The variety of things that are happening there is 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 beggar's belief, quite honestly. And today is no different. Uh, this is a, a, a neat topic and certainly a pertinent topic. We have with us via Zoom this morning Dr. Gretchen Good, Senior Lecturer in Rehabilitation and Disability Studies and Public Health, and also uh, Jane Lee, a tutor in rehabilitation. And they have been collaborating, working together uh, on uh, a, a very personal uh, project for them, but as I said, also a relevant one, and that is the challenges of parenting disabled children during a pandemic. Uh, Atamarie, Gretchen and Jane. Morena. Morning. So um, maybe, Jay, Gretchen, we could start with you. Uh, certainly the article that I have read on the uh, the Massey website indicates that uh, your experience during the pandemic was uh, a very challenging one. Uh, you are a parent to two children with Down syndrome, uh, also not verbal, I believe, in their communication. And, and so I guess that sort of physical contact and social interaction would have been even more important to them in normal normal times and thus taking that away would have been a challenge. Just tell us a bit about your experiences in, in 2020. Um, absolutely. Um, as you said, I've, I'm mum to two children who have Down syndrome. Um, one of my children is also um, significantly vision impaired. They both have hearing impairment and some orthopedic, orthopedic issues, which requires um, real constant vigilance and supervision. Um, they are both, uh, one of them is basically nonverbal. The other child is, uh, they, they both need assistance devices to help them uh, communicate. But they're pretty good communicators with their uh, sign language, uh, the speech they can use, and their uh, techno- technology that they use to help with speech. As you can imagine, uh, parenting children during the lockdown was really a challenge because my children require so much intense supervision. It wasn't like we could sit them down with schoolwork that had been sent from school and and go off and do our own jobs. (laughs) My husband and I are both 
employed full time. And that took a lot of our time and effort. And and it was very challenging to uh, do all of our work from home as well. There was a lot of pivoting that needed to be done to um, teach from home and work from home while supervising and teaching our children. Our children also receive a lot of one-on-one support for different therapies like speech therapy, um, vision types of therapies, um, occupational therapy, physio. uh, And of course, that was all lost overnight. And so we became parents, physios, all sorts of therapists. um, and, And our teach our children's only support where we generally have a team of support people that help our children. And uh, that was all lost overnight in the lockdowns. It's, it's, it's quite surprising to hear in a way that, that, that this inequality existed in 2020 because one of the things we heard championed uh, in 2020 was the welfare support. I mean, particularly in somewhere like Palmerston North, uh, the city council and, and all of the, the social services agencies were keen to uh, promote the fact that they, will st- they were still operating in some way. One of the big things that people were particularly worried about was the issue of domestic violence. And so a lot of the agencies in that space were going, look, there is still help. You, you can still access us if you need. Everything was taken away from you. Well, the agencies were still functioning, but they were working from home as well. So the people that normally support our children couldn't go into their offices and create resources for my vision-impaired child. Uh, They could check in with us, but they could not really offer any practical support. Um, I had to create lesson plans every night for the children. Uh, That's the first lockdown. Things did improve in the second lockdown. But yes, the people who provide welfare support uh, did what they could, but nobody had been in that situation before, and they had a lack of resources and they were working from home. They couldn't use their uh, photocopier machines to enlarge materials for our children. Mm. Uh, Jane, perhaps we can turn uh, to you because your experience was uh, a different one, but equally as challenging. You are uh, a solo mother to seven children. Uh, <laughs> hats off. I just um, One of whom is on the autism spectrum. So you would have had a different suite of challenges there. Yes, absolutely. And I, I need to put on that there's only four still at home. So I'm I'm a single mother with four children still at home. So that's the, um, but yeah, no, absolutely. And with my son with autism, we, it's the, it's the emotional stuff with him. It's the mental load that I carry. It's his questions. It's his needing extra reassurance. And it's his, his pulling on my heartstrings when he doesn't know. He's like, what's going on here, mummy? He, he, which he doesn't understand. And I'm, I'm, I'm needing to, to reassure him through those times. And, and our big problem during lockdown was when, when things get unsettled in his life, he reverts back to co-sleeping with me, which means that then that's, during that first lockdown, his two, two of his neurotypical siblings thought, oh, this is a great idea. I'll go and sleep in mummy's bed as well. So, um, yeah, I had three children in my bed with me, which was um, not fun at the best of times. But the challenges that I found was as a single parent, and I was working part-time as a social worker at this at this time and also part-time for Massey. So balancing my paid employment with balancing, I had four children who relied solely on me for all their physical and emotional needs, as well as the extra needs of my son with autism just became, I, I 
got through each day, but it was very much, very much in survival. And I want to pick up um, what Gretchen mentioned about, yes, there were there were service providers out there who were phoning, and I, I um, do receive carer support, but uh, checking in on me. But those phone calls, because they couldn't actually do anything, that was, I was thinking, oh, this is, at the beginning, it was nice, you know, I had people phoning me, how are you doing, Jane? At the end of it, I just wanted to say to them, "Look, I'm drowning. You know, I'm, I'm, we're in lockdown, and I've got, I've got four children who need me to stay, to stay strong." And I, and I, and I appreciated the phone calls at the beginning, but actually, it, it just became another thing that I had to put on this brave front. But I mean, definitely, the, the second lockdown, there was a marked difference with how, and I think with how I coped and with our, how our family coped, because it was like, okay, yeah, we've been through this before. We can. I can grip my teeth and, and go through it again. But it was um, certainly that feeling of feeling forgotten. And I think I've, a, a big thing for me was not seeing any stories of people like me. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of single mothers out there with with, um, with disabled children. And there's a lot of families with disabled children. But in that first lockdown, really not hearing those stories was was something that I thought, you know, oh, there's Gretchen and I, but, you know, who else is out there struggling along and not making um sourdough bread or whatever the craze was during the 2020 lockdown so that was yeah it was um challenging times hunting for flour was the, the challenge that we had i think um so going from the 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 first lockdown to the second one you said that perhaps because uh, in speaking to, for example, Manawatu District Council, Helen Warboys, we interview her on a regular basis. In the second lockdown, MSD took a lot of the welfare response activity from the councils and, and managed that. Um, and there was a feeling that that was perhaps less effective. So the welfare response from 2020 to 2021, perhaps not as good. Conversely, did you guys cope better the second time round? Was there some preparedness within your communities for it happening again, or or was it the same challenge again? I can speak to the real improvement we found is that the schools had figured out how to respond to our needs a bit better in the second lockdown, and we knew um, <laughs> our expectations um, were tempered for the second lockdown. We got appropriate learning materials dropped off at our homes um, and learning devices were delivered to us on the first day of the lockdown in 2021. Um, learning stories were provided to us that help our children, uh, you know, learn about the importance of wearing masks and social distancing and why we have to stay home. However, there the Ministry of Ed, there was a lot of talk about the Ministry of Ed delivering uh, learning packages um, to children. And during the first lockdown, we were so excited about receiving those. But when they arrived, they were completely inappropriate for our children, geared toward their age and not their learning level, and also inaccessible to any child with impaired vision. So nothing changed from the Ministry of Ed from our perspective in the second lockdown, but the schools themselves responded better. And some distance education worked for our family in the second lockdown. Uh, we had figured out how to make speech therapy work via distance, whereas the first lockdown that that wasn't, that hadn't been set up. Mm. Jay uh, there was some reasonable accommodations, like we got, uh, a letter of exemption that allowed us to travel outside of our region to get our children to safe running spaces um, 
Like we got to drive out slightly out of the region to get to a beach where the kids could run in the second lockdown, whereas that didn't happen in the first one. Mm. Jane, was your experience in the second lockdown marginally improved? Absolutely. And I think it um, echo a lot of what Gretchen said and that it felt like my local school got things, learnt from the first lockdown and did things a whole lot better the second lockdown. The first lockdown, I was getting emails saying this child's got this Zoom meeting, this child's got that Zoom meeting, just all over the place. And I'm thinking, actually, I need to prioritise my paid employment. So I I just ignored those emails. Um, but this lockdown, it was that each child had, the, had a Zoom meeting the same time once a week. And that was just fantastic that I could schedule that into my work calendar and also what Gretchen said about about devices being dropped off. The, the moment lockdown hit, the schools dropped devices off because that's one thing I learned in the first lockdown. I had one laptop that I needed to to use to work and, and my children saying, well, we need to use a laptop so we can do our whatever they needed to do. I'm saying, no, no, I'm keeping a roof over our head rather than you you learning through that first lockdown. So that was so I did notice a, a difference in the that local response from my local school and also I think a lot more understanding of my situation as a, so I was now working full-time for Massey. So as, as a, again, single mother, still working full-time, but there was a lot more empathy about, hey, you know, actually, Jane's situation is she's working full-time. There's only her in the household. She's got four four school-aged children. We're going to give and, and give her as much slack as she needs. And so I've very much appreciated that. Um, the, the issue of... Parenting disabled children is a huge topic. I mean, we're talking about, Gretchen, your children with Down syndrome, vision impairment and, and, and some other significant uh, needs as well. Uh, and Jane, your, your child on the autism spectrum. But of course, some children are, are uh, physically disabled. Um, some children have some of the intellectual issues that we've talked about. To, to what extent is the comprehension and the ability to understand what's going on an impact on the parenting during a pandemic? I'm assuming it would be easier to tell a physically disabled child what's going on and try and, 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 and get that understanding from them. But when it comes to, Gretchen, your kids perhaps in particular, just knowing what's going on and, and why they can't have everything they had before. Well, of course, we had to explain it on their terms. Um, the children are never the problem in parenting disabled children. The children are our joy. It's just the rest of the world that's the problem. <laughs> we just need to change systems, have a more inclusive society, and uh, be remembered and not be forgotten. And in the current red light protective framework, we are feeling more forgotten than we have been before. Um, and I guess the, the, the other thing, um, perhaps, uh, Jane, you, you want to speak to this. Uh, the issue of child poverty um, is prevalent across New Zealand. Our Prime Minister waged war practically on child poverty when they got elected. Um, people have their opinions on the effectiveness of, of that war. But um, I could only imagine that child poverty would be even more prevalent in families with disabled children because the costs must just be through the roof in some cases. Mm, absolutely. And especially single parents with disabled children who are relying on a benefit to, I say, live. But let's let's acknowledge that that's a very um, breadline um, 
lifestyle that they're that they're living. And this and this is these are parents who their job is looking after a disabled child. These and 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 so absolutely there needs to be a whole lot of of recognition for the valuable work that's done and actually have have benefit levels livable because at the moment I mean it's and I and I speak and I acknowledge my privilege in being somebody who is in a I'm unfortunate enough to earn a earn a decent wage and I can't begin to imagine the amount of stress that parents with disabled children, especially single parents with disabled children, have gone through during these lockdowns when it's when you've you've got all the you've got all the stuff that that I've got and then you're adding also actually there's there never is enough money to go around and now you're stuck at home and, and the reality of this is just closing on a new so yeah it's absolutely a, a um, massive problem which actually I don't say I mean I did I did a bit of piece of work with the child poverty action group last year, the year before last, and on, on exactly this. And it's I mean we I have hope for the rollout of Enabling Good Lives and how that can be the the funding model with that can give more support to parents in the way that they want the support. But I mean, time will tell. Um, and also with the Ministry for Disabled People. I mean, I, I have I always live in hope and I have hope that that's going to make a difference for us. But um, well, time will tell. Um, in your research, did you happen to learn anything about what happened up in Tamaki Makoro in, in Auckland? Because obviously their lockdown just went on and on and on. I mean, that that city has taken more than one for the team of five million uh, over the past uh, two, three years. Um, surely uh, what you experienced in Manawatu could only have been magnified many times over in Auckland. We continued to talk to families uh, who were in lockdown for such a dreadfully long period of time. And the the overall feeling we got was one of resignation. They just gave up. No, we haven't heard from the Ministry of Ed. No, we haven't received any learning materials. We're not even going to try anymore. Uh, parenting disabled children can be really frustrating and exhausting in the pandemic has made it that much worse but we have heard many of these families just sort of gave up many of them women especially have had to give up employment in order to care for children who were locked at home and just like I said a sort of a sad resignation a feeling of having been abandoned by systems um, and that a lot of people were saying we just can only do it one day at a time and if my children learn anything, that's a bonus. We're in survival mode. Um, we are here with Dr. Gretchen Good, Senior Lecturer in Rehabilitation and Disability Studies and Public Health. Also Jane Lee, a tutor in rehabilitation, both from Massey University, uh, talking about the challenges of parenting disabled children in a pandemic. Uh, if you'd like to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch-Up series, you can head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Um, so turning to, I guess, I guess this, the research component of, of what you're doing, you've, you've lived, you've got your lived experience. Uh, I guess you had a desire to sort of document that, but I suppose you'd also want to reinforce it and back it up with similar experiences across the country. What was the, the, the sort of the format, the focus of your paper and what sort of information were you gathering? Well, um, 
we've done four research presentations at conferences um, relating to Down syndrome and to vision impairment and blindness. So they've had different focuses. Um, our research is mostly autoethnographic, which means we're using our personal storytelling to examine culture, to look at power differentials, and to um, make recommendations for what families with disabled children need in future disasters or lockdown situations. Um, but we, in saying that, we've been talking to other families, <clears throat> not just in New Zealand, but from around the world, since 2020. Um, and like I said, uh, especially from other parts of the world, uh, like the United States parents who are having profound mental health challenges due to these lockdowns. And of course, they're dealing with many more deaths and illness all around them that we are so fortunate to not be in that situation. Mm. It's, um, it's one that I... I, I, I struggle with this this uh, five-phase rollout thing, and I'm not a doctor or a professional, so people can just ignore what I'm saying. I'm one of the people that just has opinions. Um, but it, it strikes me that New Zealand's health system has never been particularly robust. Even under business as usual, it can struggle. You just got to look at Palmerston North's mental health ward there, uh, nor will there be even if improvements are made, which are planned uh, for the next couple of years. It would strike me that... Uh, um, children with disabilities and their families will have a closer association with our health service. Are you therefore concerned about the potential overwhelming of the health service once this Omicron variant takes hold and people start clogging up the hospitals? I am very worried. The thought of sending either one of my disabled children up to the hospital on their own, which is what has had to happen overseas in this pandemic, is uh, unbearable. Um, we cannot get sick. We don't know how we would isolate one parent or two parents or one child in our household. It takes two parents to supervise our and care for our two children. Um, we have had multiple emergency room experiences during the lockdowns and our child was never seen by a doctor. Six and eight hour waiting periods. Uh, we've gone up by ambulance and never been seen by a doctor. I'm very nervous about the health system and how it's going to care for all of us and especially disabled adults and children and health compromised adults and children. Jane, are, are your experiences similar? I mean, I, I, I guess uh, your your child, in particular, the child on the, the autism spectrum, that there's not a lot, perhaps, of interaction with the health service. But still, emergency department or any other issue or getting Omicron itself, it must be a concern. Yeah, and, and I mean, you're right in saying that I have very little to do with the um, health system, with my son with autism. My challenge, which if I'm honest, I've buried my head in the sand, is that as a single parent, what happens if I get COVID? What happens if I if I need to be hospitalised and I have it and and I think I'm still very much we we're still day to day, week to week. I mean my my vision has started pushing out to to what's going to happen next month, but it's very much been 
it was survival mode and then it was okay how do we rebuild the routines that we had how how do we how do we get things our family back to where we need to be but I actually do need to, and, and which I haven't done yet need to do some of that forward planning to think well, what if I get sick you know who's 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 there and I've and again I'm uh, very fortunate that I've got a, a, a good support system around me I mean I've got people who I know if I say to them look if something happens to me can you be first first port of call and then etc cetera, etc cetera. but it's still I mean this is as a as a single parent with a son with autism, I need to also think about who does he know best and how and how is he going to be coping with these changes and what happens when he needs to go into mummy's bed and mummy isn't in her bed. Like what's so so these these are all the things that yeah I I um will add to my mental load. I, I mean I, I'm sure you don't want uh, mine or anyone else's sympathy, but you would want us to join you in trying to achieve some of this equality that evidently is not there at the moment, particularly in times of a pandemic. Uh, what sort of recommendations are you giving to the various bodies that you're presenting to? Are they being heard and are we seeing any action? Because as we keep being told, this is not the last pandemic that we are going to face. Well, first, our first call would be out to our communities um, and not to get political here, but when people object to the vaccines and the masks, it does feel like our children and disabled adults are being abandoned. Um, to object to those things is to not be thinking about the most vulnerable in our communities, uh, the children who can't tolerate mask wearing, the children who are not yet vaccinated, um, that even the teenagers who can't get their boosters yet, let's get a move on to protect our most vulnerable while this wave of Omicron is coming at us. Uh, the Ministry of Ed, we continue to try to talk to, to so that they understand the needs of disabled children. Our schools have been listening. That's really heartening. Yeah. Jane, anything you wanted to, to add to that? I, I think absolutely what Gretchen's saying about our communities. I mean, it, it's it's. I think the sense now that we're moving into red and that that things are going to be we're gonna we're accepted that hey you know this is this is what's happening, but having yeah you know, we had that feeling of we Gretchen and I talk about the unified feeling in, in our first lockdown and 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 everyone was we were a team of, of five million and it's and it's. Now let's not forget anybody. Let's and and it feels like like my family and I and and um I can speak for Gretchen and Gretchen's family as well. Like we are starting to feel forgotten in this in this. Oh yes, let's reopen our borders. But actually, let's let's think about some of these some of our families who you know we we're still rebuilding what we what we used to have and and figuring figuring this all out. So I think having having that more coming together as a community. We need to look after each other better as a, as a country. I mean, let's let's be honest. We 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 know we can do it because we showed that in that first lockdown how how unified we were and let's build on that. Very good. Uh, we are completely out of time on the catch-up this morning, but uh, a big thank you to Dr Gretchen Good, again, Senior Lecturer in Rehabilitation and Disability Studies and Public Health, and Jane Lee, Tutor in Rehabilitation, working together to publicise, promote and hopefully remedy some of the challenges uh, that are faced by families uh, raising disabled children during these unprecedented times. There we go, I said it. There's 50 cents in the swear jar from me as well. Uh, Jane, Gretchen, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Fraser. 
And remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch Up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. We'll be back tomorrow with Jimmy Ellingham from Radio New Zealand, finding out what he's reporting on. In the meantime, bye for now. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.